It says we're live, and I'm getting all the notifications, so that means we're live. Hello? Good. Yeah, hello. And yeah, I'm getting them all too, so if you're listening, why don't you give us a shout and let us know if you're here, you're listening to us or yeah, watching are you, us are, or wherever. Are you listening, watch, watching? You might just have this on in the background, in which case you are listening. Uh, you are listening to Human Factors Cast. Um, here we go. All right, I'm getting my monitor up here, so that way I can see if there's any technical issues. I always do that. That's very uh, organized and professional of you. And we think you've been doing like this this for like a couple of hundred episodes. <laughs> a couple hundred, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Two hundred and thirty-five. Two hundred twenty-five. Twenty-five. I don't. I don't. Um, Ten ahead. Exaggerating. Yeah. So. Oh, jeez. For whatever reason, my rotation controls on my phone are, like, wonky. So it, like, rotates and then it rotates back. It's so weird. I don't know. Uh, if you are watching with us, I hope you're having a great evening. Barry and I are having a great evening. Well, technically, I know I say this every week, but I'm now having a great morning. Oh, you're having a great morning, yeah. You, you're, yeah. We're all caught up with daylight savings now, so we're, we're. Uh, no I'm more. Say, I, I, despite being late and nearly missing everything last week, actually going to bed at a, at a fair, more sensible time work, actually worked out really nicely. Um, <laughs> and so then what, you're, like, what you're telling me is we need to have this one hour earlier on Thursdays. <laughs> Well, not really. I mean, to be honest, I've now got things scheduled. My team now know that they don't I, they don't schedule anything for me on a Friday morning unless it's absolutely urgent. They, um, yeah, my wife switches off all my alarms and stuff, so um, I definitely don't because I, I normally wake up about about five six o'clock, and um, and so she tries to stay very quiet, keep out the bedroom whilst I sort of sleep in. So I now sleep in until about I don't know half eight nine o'clock on a on a Friday, um, and. And then just no, nobody asks me any taxing questions until I've had at least a pot of coffee. Um, and then we that's, go to go. That's really nice. That's kind. It's, it's, yeah, it's getting into a routine. We uh, we have something similar where we um, we we have a status quo of no Friday meetings, and that's just because everyone, you know, like it gives us that flexibility on Friday to not uh, commit to anything. You know, like if you want to step out a little early or. Um, you know, flex your hours a little bit. That's possible yeah. on Fridays, right? So cool. That's, that's kind of nice. Uh, if you're watching along with us, say hello in the chat. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as we are ramping up for tonight's show, which is on healthcare uh, and heuristics and artificial intelligence. And the the overarching question tonight: Should we trust computers over our doctor's expertise? That's an interesting question. I need to check social thoughts because we had that going on. Uh, we had yes, the social um, thoughts. I, would say I saw it and then I didn't know whether it was cheeky as somebody who was sort of co-hosting. Should we be answering the social thoughts or not? Um, interesting. Because then because that, 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 that would give us two bites of the cherry because we get to give our opinions here and on social thoughts. And I thought that was maybe rude and uh, not, not the thing to do. So, so I haven't. Speaking of cheeky, you're 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 out there posting uh, Human Factors cast as Adam Driver on the red car carpet. We really appreciate that. <laughs> can, can I should I bring up this tweet? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Hang on, this is great. 
Uh, let's see here. Where's oh shoot, I lost all my controls. That's that's never good, is when you lose uh, control <laughs> of something. I believe I meant to put this over here. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna bring this up. Uh, yeah, here we go. Is this just is this just something you tweeted out just like out of oh, the, blue? the picture? Sorry, yes. So it's been going around uh, just as one of these things of, of the um, of these three these three pictures and. I think it was Professor Paul Salmon who was it him put it out first that I saw. Let me just backtrack. Um, there's, where's Paul? Yes, I thought I thought that's quite. So it, they've been putting it out as like sort of three three different versions of, of a thing. So I thought, well, I'll do it as sort of human uh, human fantasy based podcast. So yeah, you got you go. I was there. So and then Jenny Radcliffe, she does the human human factor security. Yeah. And so I thought that the um, the lineup there kind of suited. And he's, I'm just jealous of that suit. I just want the suit in the middle. Uh, <laughs> I think it's awesome. Um, but uh, but yes, I, I, th I thought that would uh, um, a bit of um, jumping on the bandwagon exploitation. That's very great. Okay, so let's see here. Oh, we actually have a, a couple of responses here. I'd actually choose option three, a healthcare provider who uses assistive automation to support diagnosis. Well, that's... That's kind of the thesis of tonight's show. Uh, so, way to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, let's. I'm going to take that response, though, and we'll throw that in the show notes because I do want to uh, read that. What is that? Katie Jerwicks? I hope I'm saying that correctly. Katie Jerwicks. Uh, and that's right. I was going to bring up what this actually, uh, what, what the whole thing is now i'm terrible with um the tweets so hopefully i can find it there it is wow look 100 three votes 19 minutes left all right great uh i'm just gonna go ahead and call that um wrapped i, I don't think we're gonna get any more votes on it we might i don't know actually you know what if you're watching right now go on, on over to our twitter and reply to this and uh that will get us maybe an additional answer or two so going back to that picture, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's bring it Professor back up. Paul Where'd Salmon put a, a version up, which he's which he did um, on the left hand side physical HFE, the middle cognitive HFE, and on the right hand side systems HFE. Okay, <laughs> it's an interesting take. And then I've just seen I just saw, started to see loads and loads of um, di different people's takes on it, and so I tried to try to jump in on the um, on jump on the bandwagon from the HF perspective. Very nice. Very nice. Like it. Cool. All right. Let's uh let's kill that screen share here. Get us back in center focus. All right. Um so we uh have a show to do tonight. Um oh, that's, that's the why thing that we're, that's why we're here. Yeah, okay. You keep you keep down to remind me. It's uh uh I I've been reminded of uh, I got a slap on the wrist by um, by our treasurer about pushing Patreon so much. So I have to I have to say something different in our Patreon section tonight. Um, oh, yeah. Let's see. So, uh, so so show notes. That's something that we normally do during the pre-show. Why don't we do those now? I think we're pretty much squared away uh, with the show notes, but we need it came froms and. Um, 
I, I dropped one in earlier that I saw, just because, yes, that um, the recruiter's one. Because um, it sort of keeps on, I just thought it kept on with the theme that we've had for the past few weeks of some, some career advice-y stuff. Ah, uh, yes, let me... Oh yes, several replies. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm uh, going back to the uh, social thoughts over here. It looks like we're getting a little bit more activity. It's always nice. Um, all right, let's. So you put in a. It came from. Yeah. Take a uh, look here. This is uh, how to. Is it the how to break into the field field of human factors? No, is it's that, no. That. So it's it's the recruiters be like, uh, you don't have enough experience, but let's keep in touch and connect in a couple of years. So it's above the it's above the bank. Yeah. Like, oh, was that was that not the one that we didn't answer last week? Nope, it's one I put in. Uh, you, oh, yes, there was another one that I put in there, and I think you've deleted that in in a in a bout of efficiency, haven't you? No, I uh, could have swore uh, that we only talked two last week, and there was one left in there. Uh, in that case, I've been very efficient. I think I've deleted that one. Uh oh. Yeah, no. Well, that's that's uh, unfortunate. Uh, Hang on, let me let me see if I can pull it back up. Uh, or, or if you, oh no, I can't because I got to it after you did. Hold on, I wonder if I could. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if uh, we don't know what we're doing, but we do, we do. Hang on, we can get it back. That's okay. So, so um, that question is about most important questions when hiring a UX designer and or researcher. Was that not the question that we didn't answer last week? Hang on, I'm looking at last week's notes uh, to see where. Where that question is, um, if they want to load, <laughs> yeesh. Uh, what is this? This is two twenty three. This is not it. Where's two twenty four? Two twenty four. Two hundred and twenty four. Where'd that go? I must have closed out of it as I opened up the new notes here. Let me just searchy search for 224. There it is. Uh, this is a riveting, riveting uh, discussion yeah. while we <laughs> search through documents right. to try to find the thing that we deleted. By we, he means me, because... Hey, it's a shared responsibility here. The show notes are everyone's responsibility. I'm trying to be efficient. Um, no, you were you were you were incredibly efficient. I think you. That was meant to do that. Did you find it? No, I found another one. Uh, just oh, okay, great. I think this is the, this is the one that um, I think I the one that we've deleted. Yeah, that one. Can you do me a favor and grab? Grab the links for these and link them with that text uh, yeah. if it's not already, because that's uh, that's something that I do. Uh, notes, I'll make sure that those back to the original. Oh, I see. Link them in there. Okay. That should be that one. Ah. I'm not used to So that. that was that was the one from last week that we didn't get to. What do you think are some of the most important questions when hiring a UX designer and or researcher? Oh, okay. Set them with prima donnas. 
No, yes, no that's not the one here. No, that's not the one here. Okay. Um, so okay. You, if, you, if you can copy, if you can copy that one over, then yeah, that'll be yeah, yeah. awesome. Okay, prima oh, donnas, prima donnas. That's all right. Okay, great. So we have our three. Good news. Oh. Speaking of good news, uh, an Obi Wan Kenobi trailer dropped today, or it's like a first look. There's no footage. Um, but it does have Ewan McGregor wielding a practice lightsaber, which is just chef's kiss. Cool. Are you a Star Wars fan, Barry? Um, not massively. Um, okay. I do, I do some, um, but not a huge amount. Um, okay. I, in fact, it was only fairly recently that we decided to sit down and watch them sort of end to end. Um, but the I think I've I've said before that um um good friend of mine he he really is he's, he's got Star Wars room he's a bit like you you've got all the gear and and all that sort of stuff so um the I guess it, out of the two I'm probably probably a bit more of a tricky uh, but even okay. then all right um, I mean, that's, that's fair um well, I don't know sometimes it's the sort of, the, the sort of things that if they're on I'm quite happy to watch them but I would I would watch Star Trek over Star Wars I think. Um, some of the cool, some of the new Star Wars stuff I quite like. Um, right. Hey, put the links in. That's done. Yeah. So we got the it came from. I think show notes are good. I do want to. I guess I will need to reference these at the top. So uh, let me go grab and grab those. Throw cool. those at the top. Oops. Nope. That's nope. 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 There we go. Copy. Uh, <laughs> You know what I thought would be a fun um, activity for us to do uh, in this pre-show world would be to talk about the Team C's effort and potentially... Yeah, uh, tell me a bit, a bit more about that. Yeah, it, I will in just one moment. Let me just make sure I don't oh, lose this train of thought because I keep like doing that. this. Uh, uh, <laughs> And then just leave it. It's, uh... Let's see your face without formatting. Um, so we have that. That's special. Uh... Oh, I did see that recruiters question. Um, what to do when recruiters are... are... Weird. Yeah. I'm just gonna say what to do when recruiters are weird. Um, what changes do you want to see in your operating system start menu? Well, I just thought that was um, pertinent given that Windows 11 is starting to uh, roll out now, which also links to my one, right, there. one more thing. It all connects, and it's it's almost like we planned it and and sort of sculpted the show. Almost, almost. Okay, yeah. So uh, let me talk about Team Team C's. So Team C's uh, is an effort um, that is actually pretty cool. So uh, Mr. Beast, Mark Rober, they're some popular YouTubers, um, along with a bunch of other content creators. Here, I'll go ahead and show our little announcement um, here. Uh, so 
they've they've uh, come together. They're basically raising money to take trash out of the oceans, rivers, mm. and beaches. And uh, we are participating in this effort. So is that we are trying. You're going to be putting on your waders and going to pick up plastic. What's that? Does that mean you're going to be going to put on your um, your waders or your um, um, Wellington boots and going and actually picking up plastic? You can do, you can do that. That I'm not going to do that. I donated oh, money. I donated oh, money so that other people can do it. <laughs> so so uh, the the announcement here. Um, we are actually going to be releasing an eight part mini series of Human Factors minutes uh, for free for everyone. So if you are listening to the show, if you have it in your podcast feed, uh, you will get eight of these Human Factors Minutes that are focused on conservation efforts. And we're going to try our hardest to uh, make them relate to ocean cleanup and, uh, you know, conservation of the ocean. Mm -hmm. There might be some other related topics in there, but they're all going to be in an effort to keep Team C's at uh, sort of the forefront forefront of everybody's minds. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about this on the show tonight, so I'm forgive me for repeating all this, but um, cool. yeah, you can go and, and listen to the first part. It's out now. Uh, you can check out our announcement on our website. Um, I'm pulling it up right now, although the Twitter redirect is very slow. So... Uh, They've got these massive robots that eat trash in rivers, which are just friggin' rad. Um, so they look really cool. Yeah. So here's our first uh, Human Factors Minute, and we can actually play that here, I guess, uh, for everyone watching. And that's that's, uh, that's something we can do. And then here's the announcement videos by Mark Rober, Mr. Beast. We've um, put those there for you all. If you want to donate, teamseas.org. Um, and, of course, uh, the link doesn't work. Wow, why is that happening? That's I think it's because I put teamseas.org in the Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad I did that right now. So let me fix yeah, I was that. say it's good to check. Good to check. Everyone check your links. Always check your links. <laughs> what kind of operation are we running over here? I was going to say get... you would think it was like some back of a fact packet or something, you know. I need to get on the phone with our webmaster and Give him a piece of our mind. Um, <laughs> Does this mean you have to start talking to yourself again? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, how did that conversation come about? Then, how how did you engage engage with Team C's? Or did you just so open an email they, and say, "I want to talk to you"? Uh, so they basically it, it's open to any and all creators, um, and with some encouragement um, from the community. Uh, we are participating. It's not like something you have to sign up to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just an effort that is monumental. So, uh, I, I should talk about the goal. Their goal is to actually remove thirty thousand pounds of trash out of the sea, off of ocean beaches, and out of rivers, and. Uh, that's a lot of money. Mm. Um, yeah, a substantial amount of effort. And a substantial oh. amount of effort. And uh, here, let me... I, I think this should work again. So let's go down to teamseas.org. So if you want to go to donate, donate to teamseas.org. Uh, and Twitter redirect actually works this time. Check that out. Um, 
it looks like they've already raised half the amount they wanted to. So they've, they've raised $14 million, uh, which means 14 and a half million pounds are being removed from the sea. So for every dollar that's donated to this effort, they're, they're going to remove a dollar or a pound uh, from oh, the sea. Oh, I see. Okay. I, I get so, the um, Yeah. So uh, they've, they've partnered with a couple um, foundations. They have the Ocean Cleanup, which has the rad technology. Um, they're a nonprofit that are you know, kind of building these barges that eat trash yeah. from rivers and uh, collect trash from the ocean. And then they also have what I think it's the Ocean Conservancy Conservatory or something like that. Uh, ocean Conservancy, uh, and and they are um, you know picking up trash from the uh, the beaches and whatnot. Uh, yeah, and you can see. So is that a a U.S. based thing, or is this a world? This worldwide, worldwide. worldwide. Yeah. Cool. You can donate in crypto. You can donate in. Uh, yeah, look, see. I I haven't ventured onto the uh, onto the crypto market yet. Have, have oh. you have you done that yet? Or are you? Uh... Uh, y- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it's, yeah, heavily. I mean, so. look, it's it's a uh, it's kind of ironic because it's not environmentally friendly right now. But I mean, you know, we all need money, and yes, it's, uh... <laughs> it's all, I've been, it's one of these things I've been thinking about and um, should do, but then. I mean, got sort of spooked, I guess, with then all the different currencies coming out, and some are better than others. Yeah, and then... I, I mean, like you can't go wrong with the big three: um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, and I, I mean, everyone goes back and forth on the third one. Um, but you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are pretty safe, I would say, if you're yeah. thinking about getting into it. I I, I I I've thrown like you know a fifty dollar investment and like just to just to kind of wet my feet and get get into there and then um, you know as I've gotten more familiar with what's going on in the market and I've throw a little bit more money into it. I listened to a um, a podcast from the uh, from the BBC called The Missing Crypto Queen, which is all about the uh, the one coin thing. I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, Basically, this um, this woman, I think it's still an ongoing thing. She started off this um, this idea that the, this cryptocurrency called OneCoin it ended up being a uh, multi-level marketing um, oh. scheme. Um, but she was selling the idea that this is this is going to revolutionise everything, and it was it was a distributed central distributed centralised uh, 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 keychain, and it was like. Well, you can't have a centralized distributed. That's kind of the whole point of it. But anyway, and it turns out that actually, after a while, people realized that um, they had no technology. He had no technology for this. It was all just bluff. And but people, are, but you're talking millions and millions of pounds of dollars being um, being invested into this by di- by different people and all this sort of stuff. Really, really interesting um, sort of documentary piece to listen to. It's, I think it's about eight or ten episodes long. Um, yeah, really well worth listening to. And there was a that'll, that'll put you off crypto for, for life. <laughs> there was a a coin that just released a couple weeks ago, um, that was uh, um, riding on the coattails of Squid Games' success. I think it's yes. called Squid Coin, and um, basically, it I think it 
did something like 40,000% in in like a couple days. And then the owners just took everything they had and left everybody bag holding. Um, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, this is exactly like real life Squid Game or Squid Game. You know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, was that the one? Because I saw somebody doing, I think it was on um, TikTok or whatever, sort of watching. And it went up and up and up and up and, and then just crashed to zero. Yeah. Um, yep. Was that that one? That was it. And um, yeah, that was just mad. Um, but yeah, that's why I'm, I'm I'm not a I'm not a big sort of uh, gambler investor type person. Um, uh, yeah. Which is possibly not a great thing when my attitude to risk is I'm, I'm fairly I'm sort of risk adverse, but then still go out on a limb with some things. Um, you have a podcast. You have to be at least some you know you have some risk tolerance <laughs> well yeah I'm, I'm there's some things i'm quite happy to give a shot at and i think i, I think i need to have to understand that if the risk is just to myself then actually i'm not i'm not that worried about it but if it's going to be then affect other people like the family when we have no money and get kicked yeah. out of the house then maybe i might start um um worrying about it you know, this this whole GameStop thing that happened earlier this year and I guess is still happening to some degree, you know, like I, I learned a lot about the stock market through that. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't make any money off of it, right? A little bit, but like nothing substantial, right? And um, I, but I, I do value what I gained for, uh, you know, learning about the market and mm. um, how to do more advanced uh trading options uh on on the market right yeah and then yeah. you know kind of that that propelled me into crypto and and all that stuff so like i i value it for that um yeah i don't know it's 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 interesting to get into that and i yeah i don't know it's just kind of crazy <laughs> Yeah, no, I think there's there's been a few things. I've, I've sort of done the fantasy stock market before, um, because in one, in my first civilian job, then there was this guy who um, was in one of the other offices and he knew everything and he he had stock. He was a single guy, um, had no other interests except for doing the stock market, and he had um, a sports car in production, um, and there there was his two main things. And, um, and you sort of go into his office on a lunchtime and he'd be giving you stock tips and all this sort of stuff. And, and so I did, did it on the fantasy stock market and um, yeah, made a fortune and then, but still didn't want to go and do it for real. But um, I didn't have quite so much money, didn't did have quite so much money to throw, um, to throw away. Not that I've got any money to throw away now, but because uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly told that any money that we do get has to go into the house extension. So and practical things like that. Now it's part of being that the grown-up thing that I sort of refuse to be. Yeah, grown-up stuff. Kill ya. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. All right, I am closing our poll for uh, social thoughts. No additional responses. That's okay. Um, what we do have is enough. So at least we've got some. Yeah, that's nice. I well, I didn't do one last week. Oops, because uh, last week was just kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, every week is just crazy. I feel it's one of those things where you know, I had I had your head, your voice in my head uh, earlier this week when I was I was putting together everything on Monday night. I was like, Barry would ask, "How do I have time for all this?" 
Yeah. It's um. There, there's a whole. I mean, mainly because I get pushed with that quite a lot because it's the um. When I sort of come up with it, right, I'm going to do this this new idea because it's the right thing to do, and then just my wife and my kids are all going, yeah, but you do so much already. How are you going to? Wait, when are you? When are you going to do that? But it's good in that accusatory tone that uh, that it isn't a. Oh, that sounds nice. How are you going to do that? It's the. So how are you going to do that then? When are you yep. going to fit that in? It's like okay, that that's a sign for maybe I haven't thought this through as well as I should have done. Uh, yeah, I feel that. Ooh, flood watch. Okay. Well, hopefully uh, does not impact the uh, recording here. Uh, we are just a couple minutes out from the show. Um, we will be doing, like I said, the show on uh, should we trust computers over doctor's expertise? That is the question of the evening. Uh, we'll get started here in just a moment. If you are hanging out with us uh, and like, would like to contribute to the conversation, you can chat wherever you're at. We'll see it. And... Um, you can you can let us know what your thoughts are. We'll read them on the show if they're appropriate. <laughs> and uh, oh, shoot. now I'm looking at the show notes and I see something that I meant to do. Oh, <laughs> I meant to six, uh, ninety I, seconds. Yeah, I know. I meant to I meant to define some of these uh, heuristics here. Maybe I can quickly do it. Quick, Barry, stall for time. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got about sixty seconds to nail heuristics. How will you do? You know your, your heuristics on of the uh, off the back of this. Um, do you, Do you know these off the top of your head? Do you, are you Are you looking at them here? Um, the, no, availability I'm anchoring. Where's the list that I usually go to? Um, oh, really? If they've come up with that really quickly that's uh, right availability receptiveness representativeness anchoring and adjustment yeah I think um, representativeness uh, overconfidence bandwagon all right I think I think we'll be okay all right uh, if you're sticking around with us we are going to start the show here um, now ish do it. We'll be right back. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. To another episode of Human Factors Cast. This is episode 225. We're recording this live on November 11th, 2021. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Good morning. How the devil are you? I am I am devilishly good, Barry. <laughs> Thank you again for midnight mid, midnighting. What is moonlighting with us? Uh, okay. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. We're actually going to be talking about man versus machine and who to trust when you go to the doctor's office. And later, we're going to answer some questions from the community about what to do when recruiters are weird. Uh, what do you want to see from a start menu? And the most important questions when hiring a UX designer and or researcher. But first, we have some programming notes here. Uh, we're excited to announce that our coverage of Ergo X is started. 
Uh, we the preview's out now, so we've we've done a preview of Ergo X. Um, you know, we had some scheduling conflicts during the conference itself, so we'll have to wait for that 30 day window before we can actually see the talks. But if anyone went to Ergo X and wants to leave us a voicemail about your experience, please do drop us a line. You can go to our website and click the little voicemail in the bottom right hand corner. Uh, and in other news, we have joined Team C's. So if you are unfamiliar, Team C's is an effort of, uh, across many different content creators. Uh, with the goal of removing 30 million pounds of trash by January 1st, 2022 from the ocean. So they're basically, uh, they've equated $1 of donations to one pound of trash removed from the sea. And uh, this is started by Mark Rober and Mr. Beast. Uh, We are now part of Team Seas. And to kind of make sure that this effort does not go unnoticed, we here at Human Factors Cast are going to be producing eight standalone human factors minutes available for everybody. So this is also available in your feed. Now uh, you've heard the first one this week. It was about uh, what team C's is and what our plans for team C's are kind of what I just told you, but you can listen to it. Now um, we have eight episodes coming out uh, through the end of this year. And like I said, that's free to everyone. Normally our human factors minutes are for our patrons, but uh, this is too big of an effort to just keep to that small pool. So go check it out, teamseas.org. Um, and I think I think we'll leave it there. Let's go ahead and get into uh, the, we know what you're here for. You're here for the news. Let's... That's right. This is the part of the show about human factors news. Barry, what's the story for us this week? So this week we're looking at whether doctors should rely less on mental shortcuts when deciding patient care. So algorithms and analytics are now commonly used by professional sports, in sales forecasts, lending lending decisions and car insurance providers. But researchers are suggesting that it's time for doctors to stop relying on their use of heuristics uh, when making decisions about patient care with limited cognitive resources. So heuristics are the mental shortcuts that we're talking about. Using health uh, electronic health records more of more than 86,000 infant deliveries, they found that delivering physicians were influenced not only by the indications of the current patient, so the one that they're currently working with, but also the outcome of their most recent delivery. So they're not suggesting that physicians use these mental, uh, the, sorry, the, the, the physicians use these mental uh, shortcuts lack exper- expertise or training, but the research demonstrated it's a common tendency even through uh, amongst more experienced doctors. They've offered several suggestions, including the use of um, artificial intelligent decision support systems to help physicians overcome their reliance on maladaptive heuristic or their own decision rules. So, Nick, are you convinced? Should doctors give up their gut feel for AI? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It makes sense to me. Um, Doctors are humans. Humans make mistakes. AI has progressed over the years by a lot. Uh, and I do think the future of of healthcare is artificial intelligence. I really do. Um, you know, I think there's there's that happy medium of uh, having sort of the doctor play a supervisory role when it comes to artificial intelligence, and that's kind of the future where the system can look at sort of hundreds of thousands of data sets and determine what's best for the patient. And as long as nothing's fishy, the doctor goes, "All right, yep, good." Let's do it. Um, and they can kind of use their expertise to to judge that fishiness, right? The, anyway, what, what are you thinking about this article? 
I my gut feel is to go along with what you say, but I'd also then maybe play devil's advocate with that um, because whilst AI is the future, and we'll go into um, we'll go into the, the, that in a bit more detail, um, is it there yet? Is it actually um, truly thinking in a way that can actually do diagnosis in a way that uh, that humans can? Um, humans make mistakes; that that's true. But actually, the way that the the human brain works is still way more powerful in the way that it dives into um, problem solving and being able to pull together abstract pieces of information. I mean, one of the quotes out of the article when you read is, most of the time the heuristics do save time and resources and they produce pretty good outcomes. But in subset situations, pretty good is not good enough. So even then they're sort of admitting that um, the way that humans do things does work most of the time. Um, but then I, I've... Coincidentally, I was watching um, an, a couple of episodes of House this morning. And I don't know if anybody uh, watches House, um, but that is um, looking at um, a group of people who are doing basically advanced diagnostics and and diving into really weird problems that the um, that are not standard. Um, and so they're having to use all sorts of of their own um, cognitive abilities to solve the problems, or at least according to the scriptwriters, they do. But the um, that's kind of the, kind of the thing. Is the that level of diagnosis um, and and having to do the investigation real? And would an AI be able to do that in its current form today? My gut feel is that no, it wouldn't. Um, you know, it, it, we just don't know enough. But that's not to say we're not terribly far away from the future. Um, and then my only last thought is doing that checklist. Is it going to have uh, an impact into people's times? Um, in, in, sorry, into people's lives in the time that it takes to go through a checklist where if we have the heuristics and we recognize what we're looking at and just dive straight to it, which checklisting doesn't really allow you to do. So I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm going to sit on the fence as, as painful as it could be and, and say that, yes, we could do it, but we're not there yet. But I think, is, I think this is a good point to maybe just dive into some of the, uh, the HR principles around it. So should we dive into some of that? Yeah, I think let's let's start with maybe heuristics in a healthcare and then get into um, sort of the algorithms piece of healthcare. So let's take it from the psychology side of things. And, uh, you know, they, they mentioned these mental shortcuts. Those are heuristics. And uh, it, there's some research that suggests that some of the most common decisional sort, shortcuts that are used in medicine, um, so the field of medicine overall, are, are availability, anchoring, and confirmatory heuristics where, um, you know, representativeness, overconfidence, and bandwagon effects are also prevalent in medical practice. So we're looking at, I just listed off a whole bunch of names there. We'll go through them one by one and talk about them. But those are typically the most common in medicine and medical. So do we want to talk through these um, heuristics or, I guess, uh, mental shortcuts one by one, Barry? Yeah, we can do. I mean, if I'll... um kick it off with the availability heuristic. So um, it's the, um, the, the I guess, um, best way to describe it. it it's the um, decision based on, you know, things that you already know, things that are familiar to you, things that um, um, lend themselves to what, uh, to your current knowledge. And, and therefore, whatever you're seeing fits with your, fits with your, your model. Um, and so because that information is available to you, then you'll automatically jump to it. Yeah. So then we have anchoring, which is kind of latching onto that first thing that you hear or understand that first piece of information, right? So uh, in a way, I think this article is almost um, 
suggesting that anchoring is happening with the most previous delivery, at least in this case. They're, they're kind of using that as a as an example, and, and we can talk about that when we get to more on the article discussion, but uh, kind of taking that one piece and making holding it as the most true when when making a decision. Yeah. Um, you can also dive into confirmatory, so doing something and then um, whatever sort of action you're taking actually has an effect. So that's sort of, uh, things are confirming what you uh, what you think you already know and whether it might not be right, but uh, but because it keeps on um, confirming the your initial thoughts, then you're going to um, anchor yourself in, into that a lot more um, because it keeps it keeps on um, giving you that confidence that uh, that what you're doing is the right thing. Yeah, and then you have the representativeness heuristic. This is kind of um, this is kind of looking at an event and comparing it to what already exists out there, and and basically uh, thinking or using that mental shortcut to think that what is true in one case is representative of many cases. Um, and and again, this is kind of with that previous delivery. You might go. Okay, they had a cesarean. It might be true that a cesarean is a better um, sort of method of birth in in this case because it was. I used it last time, therefore it might be good this time. It's kind of representative of the sample of that doctor. I, I think I think I did an okay job describing that one. <laughs> it's it's basically estimating probabilities. I'd say when you dig into these, it's not as easy as you think when yeah. you when you plug it out. Maybe my um my overconfidence in in my my judgment of being able to deliver this is, is far outweighs my the accuracy in the way I'm describing these, and that is a great example of, of overconfidence. Um, basically, overconfidence is the um, you have more confidence in your own judgment than actually the the accuracy in what in what um, the of what you're actually delivering. Um, uh, or the the accuracy of your judgment itself. So you're basically just being um, too mouthy about it. Yeah, and then last up here, we have the bandwagon uh, heuristic or bandwagon effect. This is, you know, if everyone's doing it, then it must be right. Um, you know, every, we talked about crypto in the pre-show. Everyone's investing in crypto. It must be right. Um, mm -hmm. So that can happen in medicine too. So, you know, one example would be if there's a procedure that has worked in, several cases as kind of a, a breakthrough procedure it might be that everyone sees that as the new big thing and maybe there's some additional study that needs to happen before that is in fact the, st the status quo basically jumping on because everyone else is doing it so I think that's a that's a pretty good overview of some of these heuristics that we're talking about um, in the healthcare field you know and I think just overall, Heuristics are mostly positive, but again, kind of the it depends factor, right? It can have sort of these negative consequences if it's not being used correctly, right? We've talked about them a little bit in a negative light here in the sense that, uh, that there are almost biases, biases mm -hmm. in, in this case. But I think in, in a lot of cases, it actually does end up affecting patient care positively. The fact that they have these mental shortcuts that they can take to get to where the patient needs to be can often, you know, it, it is a shortcut. It's it, they're, they're taking that step to, um, 
cut uh, not cut corners. I, that that sounds negative, but it is to it, it's the it's the speed accuracy trade off that we're talking about here. How quickly do you get patients care? Uh, depends on the speed b- by which you can diagnose those problems, and so they are using these mental shortcuts to cut through some of that um, th- that process noise. Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely right there because I think the again it goes back to what we were saying earlier in that um, particularly uh, general practitioners or people who are in uh, say the emergency rooms and things like that have to make really quick decisions really quickly based on fundamentally their own experience and their education. So as soon as they see something that looks like something else that they've that they've had experience of, so it it may be based on something familiar so leaning on that um, availability or or anything like that 99 percent of the time that's going to take you down the right route um to be able to save lives because that's that's what they're that, that's their game isn't it um uh the the bandwagon effect again is, is really i think probably quite strong and quite well used because 99 percent of the time it'll be the right thing to do i think the the point in the article is is perhaps saying the um the it's 99 percent of the time isn't as good isn't as good as 100 percent of the time so it it is that it is that right. piece of trade-off so i think there's um an element here of just how are algorithms used in in healthcare and how is ai going to get in there so is it worth diving into some of that do you think it is i, I do want to just wrap up the heuristics bit right i mean you know, we do oh, talk about the four bullet points that I've completely missed. That's yeah, okay. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I do want to just wrap it up and and say, yeah. you know, that there's this huge it depends factor, right? There's the the personality, the level of expertise and experience that a doctor has that might influence their decisions. It also is influenced by context and conditions of the situation that they're in. And I think all this is important to remember as they're taking into account some of these heuristics. They're looking at these situations through the lens of all this context. And that's something that I think is going to be important to capture when you're looking at artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning, right? And so those are kind of um, some mitigating factors that we can use to reduce the likelihood of some of these some of these algorithms or heuristics um, in the doctor's heads being used incorrectly. So yes, let's talk about algorithms and machine learning. Why don't you jump into it? Because you 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 brought us a great reference here. Well, I I, I do like to um, earn the money, the vast amount of pay you give me for coming doing these international um, uh, engagements. Um, yes, no, we. I was actually really lucky enough, and it's uh, really nicely coincidental that I led a webinar, uh, chaired a webinar last week with the Chad Institute of Economics and Human Factors, and they um, produced a, produced a white paper, um, and it happens to be a uh, from a special interest group that, that I'm a member of. Um, so see, I'm, I'm just ultimately qualified to be talking about this, except for the fact I've just, I've been bringing in actually a lot of the, the HF side rather than, um, the, the, than the AI side, but there's, um, the use of artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence is such a, which is what worries me at the moment is, is such a catch all term because there's many different types now of, um, you know things that come under artificial intelligence so things like machine learning um and things like that and a new field which i think well it's not that new but it's, it's been talked about more and more is um artificial general intelligence 
So it's worth defining the difference between the two. So artificial intelligence is very specific. It, it, it's applied in a very um, specific subcase, whereas the artificial general intelligence is something that you should be able to engage with and just almost talk normally, give it a whole lot of random facts, and, and it come out with the right um, the right sort of answers. So it, it can be used in, in the general case, which for healthcare I think is really exciting because that is the equivalent of your um, emergency doctor um, being given anything and being able to take it, taking all that information. So there's currently seen as three three approaches in the, the three different types of AI algorithms that are used at the moment. Um, and so if we dip into them, so the uh, if I hit the first one, which is basically supervised learning, which is where the data is all um, sorted and organized before being presented to the algorithm. And the algorithm is there to minimize, is to minimize area, uh, minimize error. So we, we, we're training the, the AI to do its, um, to, to do its thing and, and to reduce the, uh, the differences between its own outputs and what is perceived to be the correct output. Do you want to jump into unsupervised learning? Yeah, so unsupervised learning is uh, basically where it independently independently discovers the patterns in the data by itself. And this is the scary one to me because it just kind of results in, <laughs> it's like, how did you figure that out? Uh, it just kind of looks through the data and finds a thing. So yeah, we're talking about how these um, different approaches uh, are kind of used in these algorithms uh, for the purpose of thinking about how we feed it data from the healthcare side of things, right? So when you, when you have that supervised learning, you have um, sort of these, these training sets that doctors will go in and kind of assign and, and uh, make sure that all the parameters are there where unsupervised learning is, hey, we've detected that this patient has a heart disease and we don't know why, but it's mm -hmm. there. And then you have the last one here, which is reinforced reinforcement learning and this is basically um using a reward function right so it's it's given that input data and then the output is measured uh according to that um the success of that output right and so that's kind of in simple terms the three different approaches and so when we're talking about ai and algorithms in this context i think we're mainly well, at least I like to think about this in terms of like a decision support system. I think mm -hmm. there's that is what I think of when we think about algorithms and healthcare. We can certainly have these algorithms, especially the unsupervised learning ones. Those are just crazy to me where, you know, it'll it'll come back with a diagnosis and the doctor goes, oh, yep, that that's right. How did you I didn't even and it's kind of shocking to everybody, but the the doctor then ultimately makes the call, but that algorithm helped them get there. And so, I don't know. Do you want to talk about anything else with with the differences in algorithms and how they impact how you know healthcare? Yeah. So the, there's there's sort of one bit that came up. So when when I went back to my um, original degree, actually, there was um, we sort of studied um, artificial intelligence at that point, and this is going back quite a few years now. Um, but one of the cases that was leading at the time, there was, um, Electra was, do, um, she was um, uh, one, of, one of the leading in, in the artificial intelligence realm at that time. And she was working in healthcare and it was on lower back pain. And they she was developing algorithms to um, diagnose lower back pain. And and that was all great. But actually, she, she 
basically related to was the the initial bit of research went through and the it basically came out that a lot of the times that she was the her algorithms were diagnosing lower back pain other doctors were going no no that's not lower back pain that's something else that's you know etc cetera, etc cetera. when it all get then got referred then actually it turns out that her algorithm was right all of the time and it was the doctors that were wrong. So when you look at the difference between supervised and unsupervised learning um, for AI, this has been something in healthcare that's really important, that stuff that has been um, labelled and organised and saying, this is what the outcome is, if it's in diagnosis, it's not necessarily right. So we need to be quite careful about how we're teaching our AIs to uh, to do things um, because we, there's still so much about healthcare that we just don't know. So that's... It's an interesting. It's such an interesting topic to be to be nailing at the moment because of the, exactly that reason. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the issues in healthcare uh, from from the artificial intelligence perspective, right? This is this is also coming out of that that uh, white paper that you shared with us, and we'll put a link to that white paper in the show notes too, so everyone can go check it out. Um, but you know, it, it, by there's there's a nice graphic on there that kind of outlines all the different issues. And we pulled out a couple of them here. So automation bias. Um, let's just talk about them one by one. So automation bias is an issue, right? Where you have this over reliance on sort of these aids and decision systems, and it's kind of the human tendency to take the path the the road of least cognitive effort, right? So you're you're basically looking at these results and going, "Yep, that's right," instead of yep. critically thinking about whether or not that is in fact the correct outcome. Or it, kind of what went into that decision, right? We got to carefully craft not only the output, so that way the doctor understands how the system got there, but you know have them trained on the artificial intelligence system itself, so that way uh, they they know exactly what goes into it. And we'll talk about that with training too. But you want to tackle this next one here? Yeah. So explanation um, explanation trust is really understanding the output of the AI and have confidence in that decision. Because if you don't, if we do have, and it almost goes back to that automation bias as well, that um, if the computer gives you, an, gives you an output and says, it is this, then we're more likely to go, all right then, that's cool, um, and, and move on with it. But it, we need to under, have a, the ability to interrogate the AI so it tells us what, how, why and how it came to that decision and the level of trust that it's got in the output because it's for us we'll take it quite digitally and so and say oh it says this therefore it's this but if it's only got say a 50 percent um confidence rating in it then we need we need to understand that as well to be able to make that part of our judgment do you want to take the uh, the next one yeah so the next one here is human ai teaming and this in a nutshell is just basically who handles what part and how graceful is the handoff between each of those parties right the human and the ai and it might be that maybe the ai handles most of it and the human is just kind of there to deliver the news that could be one model you also have another model where um the ai does part of it it asks the doctor about you know a series of questions they provide some input and then it comes back with another output um and that would be kind of the the handoff so we got to think about how exactly the doctor is interacting with the ai uh in this in this case and then we also have to think about sort of what parts the ai handles what parts the human handles that's that's kind of that whole human ai teaming aspect just to make them gel together right it's like working with a another human being everyone has their specialties where do you sort of focus effort 
um, on the system. And that really leads into the next one, which is which is around training, because we've got to. This isn't just going to work on day one, and and we've got to. Um, we everyone will understand where everything goes. We've got to train and practice um, working with the with the AI. So and the so the, the medical practitioners and the AI working well together, doing conducting their own exercises, conducting their own training, um, tr- and almost experimentation as well to understand where it's best employed, how to interpret the AI outputs. Is the AI output exactly what you're what you need and the com- and how how you interpret the confidence levels of what it gets to you so it's that whole practice makes perfect piece um and it's it's really important i think um with the understanding how to interact with that ai yeah so so there's interaction with the ai and then the next one here is well how does that ai and doctors you know that that relationship between staff and patients and ai and whether or not you know, if an AI has more of a dominant role, does the doctor then do more work away from the patient? And how does that impact the patient's perception? How does that impact sort of, um, you know, the bedside manner? That that whole thing is really important for <laughs> for doctors. And so that relationship then changes when you introduce artificial intelligence into the mix because that doctor then needs to communicate that back to the patient they need to have some awareness of how that decision about their uh, care was made. And so the doctor needs to be ex- able to explain the AI. And so there's this really complicated relationship between the three. It's a, it's an interesting like triad, right? And then last up, you want to talk about this one? This one's fun. Yeah, so this is something that actually in the human factors perspective, we, we don't really get involved with very, very often, but it's the ethics side of things because this is going to be absolutely uh, critical to us, uh, make sure that this is that it's successful. So, there's a whole bunch of bits where ethics need to be considered. So, firstly, is in the design and the development of the AI itself, and there is already proven to be a um, identifiable bias in AI models, uh, depending on who's been designing and programming them. Um, so, we need to make sure that them ethical issues are ironed out within within these. Um, the issues around privacy, so uh, patient privacy, patient health. Um, and making sure that they, uh, you know, people's records are um, nicely encapsulated. The the autonomy of the practitioners. So who has the final say? Um, if the if the um, AI comes out with a radically different um, output, how does that um, compare with what what the doctor says uh, or the practitioner says? Who wins? Um, and fundamentally, it's all about um, understanding what what the what the benefits are, but minimising harm to patients. And so that whole ethical issue is is providing a whole stream of research that uh, that has still got some way to go. Yeah, and who who who's in the wrong if it's a, a misdiagnosis, right? You know, if the doctor's yeah. going off what the AI said. Well, are the developers of the algorithm then at fault for you know malpractice because they you know. It's a it's a whole complicated thing. So let's get back to this article here, um, and we'll just kind of go over the research one more time. So they're they're looking at eighty six thousand cases re- records of infant deliveries, and these delivering physicians were again kind of influenced by the current patient, but then also what happened previously. Um, and so one example that they use in this 
this article here is that when a when a physician experienced a negative outcome with vaginal delivery, they're more likely to choose to deliver the next baby by cesarean and vice versa. So, you know, this this whole um, we're having complications here. Then the next one, we're just going to go straight to C-section because it's, you know, that that prior influence is then influencing their decision. Yeah, and I think, um, but I think what is really quite neat about the uh, the paper is that they're acknowledging, or they're certainly saying that they're um, the profession need to acknowledge that this is a problem, but it's not the physician's fault. It's the way they've been trained. It's it's the they're leaning on. They've got nothing else at the moment, um, and so you know they they go with the with the best tools that they've got. Um, but now with the advent of AI and, and other um, techniques, um, so it isn't just AI, but it, it's straight, you know, just because we say algorithm doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, artificial intelligence. It's just, um, there's, there's other tools out there. Um, we now have the ability not just to go simply with your gut decision anymore. Um, we've got the, um, got the ability to do, to do it by other ways. Therefore, do we either need to start looking at doing it that way or doing um, or pushing it a lot harder? So the they sort of finish off with saying that you know managers and other decision makers in business and elsewhere no longer simply go with their gut, um, but doctors often remain reluctant uh, to introduce such information when making medical decisions for patients, um, which kind of makes sense given that it's their um, um, it is their profession and it's also their um, um, insur- their their own personal insurance if it goes wrong. Yeah, I think. Um... I, yeah, I, I don't know where we go from here. You know, there's there's still a lot we don't know about AI and how it works. And really, you know, all those human factors issues that we talked about in that white paper that you shared with us is is really consider, considerations we need to make or take before we implement this full-blown. You know, I think slowly dipping our feet into the waters here is probably the best way to go and slowly changing over time versus this rapid implementation of all these new systems. But then it's also like, well, do you just keeping with the medical analogies, do you yank the bandaid off and just jump deep, you know, right in? I don't think that's the right approach personally, but um, you know, I I don't know. Where do we go from here, Barry? Well, Fundamentally, now we are in this in the state of development and trust, um, because firstly, the systems have got to be these AI systems have got to be developed in a way that they're trusted by practitioners, but they're also trusted um, by patients. And in the grand scheme of things, right now, they and it goes back to what I said earlier around you know we we label everything, every sort of tool under this AI banner. If it goes wrong really soon, just because of the immaturity of it, we're going to throw out the baby with the bathwater to keep him with that um, um, delivery um, uh, analogy. Um, see how we keep linking back? It's like professionalism. Um, you know, we, we, we're we going to do that because as soon as some big mistakes happen, probably not through the fault of uh, the AI, but it will actually go back to, you know, um, some other issues. Um, we'll end up having everybody be just too scared to engage with it and if you if a doctor was to turn around and say oh actually we, i'm going to use use this system and uh, this AI system to help diagnose you and we, it's already got bad press then people are going to be against it regardless just because we don't like technology so i think it's a watching brief i think we've got to we've got to tread carefully in the evolution um and the, and the design for it and we a a 
a softly, softly approach. Um, but you put it out there onto, um, onto, yeah. onto Twitter. What do other people think? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, let, well, let's hear from everyone else. Uh, so we asked the question for tonight's social thoughts. Uh, tonight's episode is all about doctors, algorithms, and analytics. Uh, our social thought for this week, who would you rather diagnose your medical issues? An AI with access to hundreds of thousands of patient profiles or a doctor with years of experience? And Barry, you won't believe this, but out of the out of all the votes, we had 100% as AI. What? I've got to say that's surprising. Um, it is surprising, but at the same time, you got to consider our audience. I think, you know, <laughs> we have an audience that kind of knows um, what's up in the field. Or at least can that's, infer. Yeah, that, that, that's that's probably true. Um, or maybe have way more confidence in, in AI <laughs> than we just profess that that we do. So, yeah. Um, well, uh, let me ask you: Would you would you rather an AI or a doctor? Depends what it was. Ah, you did that. It depends. All right. I, no, I, I did. A, I did a sort of half version of it. Depends. I think if I if I was going, I, if it was something that I was going in for that wasn't. You know, it was, it was kind of run-of-the-mill stuff and it needs sort of confirmatory and all that sort of thing. I think um, I could sort of see an AI being useful there because, because it would do that. Um, maybe if I was got, had something really serious, like maybe wrong with my brain or something like that, which people, some people say is there already, then um, maybe the AI is, is the good thing there because, you know, you want it to pull in and um, and pull in all, all the facts. So actually, that in both cases, yeah, I probably would go with the AI. That's interesting. I didn't think I would go there. To talk myself into it, I think I think I'd go with AI too because because like I said, it's it's scary how much AI can come up with something based on what mm. it does, and we don't know how it gets there. Um, I do want to bring up one comment here. This is from Katie Jerwix. I hope I'm saying that correctly. They say I'd actually choose option three: a healthcare provider who uses assistive automation to support diagnosis. So there's the answer for the night. Uh, should we trust computers over our doctor's expertise? Uh, Barry and I say yes, but I think ultimately it'll come down to uh, sort of a mix of both and who handles what. That's still to be determined, but that's that's the answer for tonight, folks. <laughs> Any closing thoughts on this one, Barry? Yeah, I, I'm with Katie. Katie's right. Yeah, Katie's right. <laughs> All right. Thank you to our patrons this week for selecting our topic. And thank you to our friends over at Kelly School of Business at Indiana University for our news story this week. If you want to follow along, you can join me on Office Hours every Monday where I find these news stories. We do post the links to the original articles on our weekly roundups on our blog. Or you can join us in our Slack or Discord for more discussion on these articles. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back uh, with some things around the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener-supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you. 
And remember, it depends. Yes, huge thank you, as always, to our patrons. Uh, we're always happy to have you here. Especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff patron, Michelle Tripp. Patrons like you keep the show running. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Now, this is where I usually plug more about Patreon. But I've been told by our treasurer that we are putting all of our eggs in one basket uh, with Patreon. So uh, I'm, I, now I'm going to promote the merch store. Did you know that we have a merch store? Some neat designs over there that include It Depends shirt. Show logo, like on the hoodie I'm wearing tonight. Other cool designs based in Human Factors culture. Want to support the show and look good doing it? Go to humanfactorscast.media slash p slash store. Elegantly done. I thought did I sell it? Did I? You did. But don't, <laughs> you need to stand up and show the shirt off, show the hoodie off because. Yeah, here you go. That, oh, I have merch envy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, I will say it's a very comfortable hoodie, and I, I, I don't like doing all this self-promotion, but, dude, this is a really comfortable hoodie. We've partnered with Spreadshirt, uh, and, uh, you know, their, their clothes are actually quite comfortable, and I do enjoy wearing the merch because of that reason. Cool. Uh, so we had a merch provider in the past that wasn't too great, uh, comfort-wise. Right, I see. All right, anyway, enough of that. Let's go ahead and switch gears and get into this next part of the show we like to call... It came from... It came from... That's right, this is the part of the show where we search all over the internet to bring you topics the community is talking about. This week, it's Reddit. If you find these answers useful, give us a like wherever you're at to help other people find this content. So we have three of them up tonight. We have... uh, Let's just tackle them one by one here. This first one here is, what do you think are some of the most important questions when hiring a UX designer and or researcher. This is by Oatmeal Ninja on the user experience subreddit. They go on to write, also, do you think that a researcher position should be separate from a designer? It's been in my experience that I've hired designers or researchers who are prima donnas and tend to get emotionally attached to their work so they cannot make objective decisions. Barry, let's talk about this. Hmm. Oatmeal Ninja, I think we need to have a chat. Um, so I'll pick out some of these to be to begin with. Um, should should the research be separate from a designer? To be honest, it depends on the size of the project you're doing. And uh, in my in my experience, I've tended to pull both together. I could be doing researching one day. I could be do, do designing the next. If the project is big enough, you can separate them out. Um, even then, I don't know whether there's a vast amount of benefit from doing that because most people will be able to do both both roles um but i mean god forbid that you get an um, emotionally attached to your work and you get really bought uh, bought into the topic that you're doing i mean that's just a drama waiting to happen isn't it of course you do that everyone does that if you do if you're not doing that then i suggest you're not doing your job properly in the first place so oatmeal ninja um i think you need to go and take a long hard look at yourself um and look at people who are actually getting motivated by the work. They, um, if if you don't get emotionally at- attached, I'd be more worried. Sorry, that made me slightly angry. Wow, I, you, yeah. you're really you're really uh, going hard on Oatmeal Ninja here. Let's let's talk about this. So, <laughs> I think Oatmeal Ninja's uh, problem here is that they're they see this emotional attachment as not being able to make objective decisions about their work, um, and. Y- yeah, I get that. But I mean, at the same time, if they're good at their job, they'll know it, it's one thing to be. I think the confusion here is passion versus 
uh, emotional attachment because you can have passion and look at something with sort of this critical eye still, right? In fact, I do it with the podcast all the time. I have an attachment to this podcast. I love this podcast, but I still look at it a critical eye and go, eh, okay, maybe the story that night wasn't so great. Or, Mm -hmm. okay, we could have pulled in some extra stuff here to supplement that. Yeah, I do it in my work too. I'm passionate about it. It doesn't mean that I can't think about it critically. And in fact, I would argue that the people who think critically about it uh, love it more because they want to just make it the best thing that they can be. And those who are attached to the way things are are just in love with the way things are now and don't really want it to be better. They're just kind of accepting the status quo. Anyway, my advice here, what do you think are some of the most important questions when hiring a UX designer or researcher um, in terms of making sure that they can do the job correctly? I think, um, you know, kind of understanding what their process is. I think that is the biggest sort of a question that you can ask them is what is your process? Because if you can get into their head, if you can understand their thought process about how to approach a a decision or how to approach research, how to approach a design, what steps they go through to modify that research or design, how they interact with users, how they interact with developers, how they interact with people on the team. I think those are some of the most important questions that you can ask. Uh, A lot of times I find that some of the stuff that we do in the day-to-day kind of changes. And we talked about this last week, right? Our day-to-day changes quite frequently. It's just a matter of what tools we're using at that time. Um, Process can be relatively the same overall, but again, it just kind of depends on who we're talking to, who we're interfacing with. But that part of it is so critically important that when you're trying to bring someone else on the team, you want to make sure that they can gel with the way that things are done in your organization and that they can gel with you if you are a hiring manager. Anyway, that's my two cents on it. Any last, uh, any last notes? Yeah, I, I think the um, maybe get some examples of stuff they've done before, if that's if that's possible, not always possible. Um, but yeah, that that the whole gelling into your team just because they work well on a, on another team doesn't necessarily mean they're going to work well on yours because you have a different dynamic. Every dynamic's different, um, and yeah, it. Don't be necessarily hung up if their processes don't align to what you already know either, because if they're quite successful, they might just have a different way of doing things. Um, That's also quite good fun. All right, let's get into this next one here. Recruiters like you don't have enough experience, but let's keep in touch and connect in a couple of years. This is by throwawayperson222 on the user experience subreddit. And they go on to write, so you want to reject me right now, gain experience at a place who will give me a chance, then come back to you when I suddenly gain more experience? Make it make sense. Recruiters don't know how ridiculous they sound sometimes. Barry, have you encountered this situation where there's, let's just talk about this from the perspective of ridiculous demands from either somebody who's hiring or a recruiter. Have you experienced this? Yeah, and... uh... I don't necessarily think it's it's uh, an out of order thing, um, especially in the human factors world, because we are we are such a small domain, really. Um, but there are more people coming in, and if recruiters are looking at you and say, "Well, actually, for the position I'm looking at at the moment," because they're going to be looking at multiple positions um, a, a lot of the time, so you might not have the right experience for the position they're looking at trying to fill right now. But um, if they want to keep you on their uh, books for the future, if, if something else more useful comes up then then that's not necessarily a bad thing. On the receiving end of it, it's frustrating um, because you are sitting there going, well, actually, I've got, I've got 
skills i've got ideas i've got all this sort of stuff yes i might not have the experience just why should so you know if you think i'm good enough to um give me a shot at it um so but it's also some of the um so recruiters aren't hf practitioners uh they're, they're not they're not the the teams that they, they do have um a fairly um standard process that they go through to to get people on board so as much as i think i absolutely agree it's frustrating and and it's hard to hear um i don't necessarily think it's the the recruiter's fault um i think it's it's unfortunately just business i'm afraid yeah i mean like i i've definitely seen the advertisements where they're like okay we want a someone to work for us for $20 an hour and you know have 10 years of experience and also know how every single language of coding and also know how to do research effectively and also know every design program i've seen those and those are absolutely ridiculous um yes kind of <laughs> requirements for a job that i think do come down that okay we don't know what exactly we want this role to be that that's what that reads to me as in this case here where they're rejecting based on years of experience i think from a recruiter standpoint i, I mean i i guess i i get it but at the same time it's it's not it doesn't feel great from the person who doesn't have the experience um and i to me what this reads as is the person who reached out to you their job is recruiting. And if they see you as somebody who fits another position that's similar to that, they don't want to burn the bridge with you. That's what I'm understanding. Um, so if they're looking for somebody with slightly less experience, maybe instead of a senior role, you're looking for more of a junior role, then they want to keep in touch with you because you might be a good candidate for that position. I'm not saying that that's what's going on here. That's kind of just what it sounds like. Um, Based on the verbiage that this person is using, uh, reject is pretty harsh. So I'm wondering if maybe they applied to something and the recruiter screened them and that was seen as a reject rejection instead of a, a screening. I don't know. There's there's a subtle difference between the two, but I think it's an important distinction. Um, so, yeah, I, I get I get the frustration from from this person. But at the same time, knowing how things work sometimes I get it from the other perspective too. I don't know. It's not a very good answer. And I'm sorry for that, but I I think you know, maybe maybe uh don't maybe don't burn bridges. That's that's my advice. Mm -hmm. Don't burn bridges. If they do have something for you later, they might reach out. Uh any other closing thoughts on that one, Barry? Yeah, I guess I've I've been on that other side as well. I've been that person to say, you know, you're just not the right fit for us right now. I really like you, but you're not there for, you know, the, the, the type of specific job I'm wanting done. You're just not, you don't have the experience that I think you'd be able to go and run with it. Um, but I would, you know, would love to keep in touch. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've been there. and I, I don't think anybody's trying to be uh, nasty, or at least I would hope they wouldn't be, want to be nasty because at the end of the day, they're saying, um, you know, we want to keep in touch with you. That's a good thing. They there's clearly something they liked about your personality and and generally you. Um, they just want to have a bit more um, experience because it's not necessarily time experience. It's just um, practical experience of being in a, being in the, in the right sort of roles to do the have the right level of seniority to do to do things. But it is just life, I think. Yeah, it's rough. 
All right, let's get into this last one here. What changes do you want to see in your operating system? Barry, you picked this one. I'm really excited. Uh, this is by SexyYaya69 on the HCI subreddit. Did you pick it because of the username? Uh, I, I, I love usernames in Reddit. It's, I, think that, I think they're just something else. Uh, they're going to write, I'm taking a human-computer interaction course, and the first project is about creating a different start menu for operating systems and then testing and analyzing the results of this new build. Need some inspiration from you all. You can propose simple alterations or completely new innovations, such as creating it as a central pie menu or any other form you can imagine to improve the functionality and approachability of the start menus. Barry, now you picked this one for a reason, so I'll, I'll let you just go ahead and answer this one. Well, I sort of looked, pick, picked it because I thought it was quite useful with the um, uh, with the, with the launch of Windows 11, and they've gone, they've changed the start menu from being left hand anchored on the on the lower bar to being central, which on the face of it, I can see that it's it's um, it's, it's different. Um, it gives you know it's it's a step change, but then I can also see from a design perspective, um, if it's all anchoring from the from the center. How is that going to um, look? If it, how's the your tabs going to splay out? That means you're going to have them splaying out from both sides and not moving from a left to right manner. It just starts triggering lots of things in my with my des uh, design antenna, sort of saying there's um, there's certain elements that I don't know how they're going to work. Um, in terms of what in terms of the, the actual question, what would I want to see on my start menu? Um, I think if, if we wanted to be truly radical about it, well, why have the start menu at all? um you you only need it there when you are actually going to use it so if we get more and more into touch screens then actually you just want to touch them you want it to disappear until you touch the touch the screen and you start having a um a menu pop up there i like the idea of having the uh the pie menu I've, I've actually used that in um some previous designs i've done um fairly recently where you touch and then you, you can start splaying out around it um but i, th I think for me, it's about making sure that you have access to the um, the, the core applications that you do um, have, have in a really dynamic way. So, if you normally use Word and Excel and that sort of thing, that's what they um, that that's what comes up first, and then you can dive in, into that a bit more. But also having the the documents that you've used in the maps really um, accessible really quickly. Um, so, I think having the, that that level of dynamicism. But then also driving into into some static would be uh, would be really good, um, and in fact we've had a comment on the yeah. um, from um, tech uh, tech sergeant Chen who says um, that's why uh, they like Linux multiple desktop environments. If you don't know if you don't like what you have, use another one or make one of your own, which is kind of fair. If you're in into the, if you're into the, uh, the the Linux side of things, then the world is your oyster in that sort of thing. The flip side is also true though that the your, your ability to break your new your new oyster is also <laughs> is also um, quite strong because um, that's almost, that's almost like uh, the Apple Android argument as well. Right. Um, you, you Android gives doing. you yeah, and Android gives you a lot more flexibility, which we I think we, we spoke about last week. Um, whereas and, and, um, Apple is is very much you play by their uh, uh, by their rule book, um, which I think actually you know the the Apple gives you a lot stronger. Um, usability in that respect but less flexibility so yes. yeah yeah this is a, this this is a tough question for me to answer so like designing the dream start menu is interesting because i think what you said is why why have one um for for truly radical 
right? Why, why even have one? I think if a system can understand the context by which you are working in and understand the next step you need to take, that is ideal because then it's just kind of doing things on its own. It's, it's basically predicting your next move. And um, from there, it will pull up the appropriate program or whatever it is that you need. You know, yeah. I, I think when when I think about it from my perspective here, um, I do think about sort of the uh, the approach where, uh, especially in in I don't know, I, I'm a f- how games do like a start menu. They they switch the mode on you. It's not something that pops up or overlays like Mac or Windows. It's something that changes your entire mode. You stop playing the game to go to the next thing that you're doing. And I think that for me works because it puts me out of this mode of I'm working and I'm picking the thing out that I need to do. Um, and it's it's tricky to understand exactly what you need at that time. But I think context based, uh, I, I don't know, programs might help. Mm-hmm. Then there's also like your favorites. So I don't know. There's there's a couple ways to go about it. But I think the the coolest thing to me is is the predictive piece of knowing what is um what's coming next in the workflow if you're if you're making a google document well you might need to do research on a topic and so you might need to go to a different tab and or or pull up you know a um a pdf and so it might know based on the content that you're writing what pdfs are relevant to that based on the stuff in your desktop and so it might just suggest those automatically uh you know as an overlay and I think that's that's kind of the dream, right? Um, I do want to get to a couple of these comments here in the chat. Uh, Mads Dune says, I just I just love the synchronization of Mac and Apple. I know how to work a computer, but I don't have the time to delve deep into the topic and learn more, which is probably why I like the simplicity of Mac and Apple. And then uh, Tech Sergeant Chen um, provides an alternative here. Alternatively, you can use different interfaces for specific uses, one for gaming, one for office, work, etc. And I think that that's uh that's kind of getting at that desktop uh perspective, right? Like having yeah. having set desktops for certain modes, right? Like this is my gaming desktop with all my apps for gaming and this is my and I like that approach. I think that works. Um I haven't figured out how to get it working on Mac yet, but <laughs> I know it exists. <laughs> um I, you know, I, I do it for Windows certainly. You know, I have my podcast desktop. My, well see my, I, I haven't implemented that yet and I need to because Yeah. Yeah, for, for exactly this. So I know I know the setup I like now for doing this podcast. I like to I have the setup I like for doing my my podcast, and I have the setup you know for everyday working and stuff like that. So yes, I, I need to play a bit more. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into this last part of the show. It's just one more thing. It's really where we just have an opportunity to talk about one more thing. Barry, what do you have up this week? So this week has been so cool because I've actually been out in the field doing usability trials um, with real users, real kit in the open air and actually just face-to-face stuff. It's been so nice to be able to do that. It's, it's such a um, um, such a refreshing thing. And along with that, the so when we did the podcast uh, last week, um, I didn't get my usual sleep in because I was straight down to um, the uh, to deliver two lectures to uh, human factors in aircraft maintenance. Again, that was all face-to-face stuff where not a lot of the lectures I've been given so far have all been... Um, uh, been remote um so I, I just go and do guest lectures and so it was really nice to be able to um to see people and, and get be able to react to them and engage with them that was really cool but 
the one more thing really that that's really important and and I need your advice on really is do you upgrade to Windows 11 because it's come up on my desktop and it's ready it's downloaded click Ooh. this button and your your life will be revolutionized but oh it just scares me I don't know whether I don't know whether you should because you because if it doesn't work and you know because I have a you know I've, I've, the setup with my um, my mixing desk and and this that and the other what happens if it doesn't work you can't go back and I'm, I don't know yeah I'm I'm waiting mine is also ready to go ready ready to install um, I'm waiting on mine I think uh, the, my biggest hesitation is the same thing as you there's a lot of settings that I have ready that I don't want to mess with. And I'm planning to do it when um, media outlets like tech media outlets say it's okay to do. Uh, you know, they, there's there's some certain yeah. key features that I'm waiting for that aren't quite there yet. And then also, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of setup when you upgrade and hopefully they've streamlined a lot of that. But, you know, do it when you have some time. That's that's the big thing. Right. So like maybe over the holidays, if you got like a week off or something, just take some time update your system and then slowly fix it over the week where it, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's not going to be super pressing. Right. Yeah. It's the, I think for me, it might have to wait until the new year. I, th I think unless we can do some, um, um, unless we can do it. I mean, the, the, the laptop I've got is quite a, quite a, a decent one. Um, you know, it's relatively new. It's just got it this year. So it shouldn't have a problem in that respect, but it's the, like you say, it's the, it's the nuances behind it. So, we shall see. It, I might, it might be a long weekend job, so to upgrade <laughs> it on the Friday and then fix it, um, like say on the, on the Saturday and Sunday, and hope, hope I can get it working again by the Monday. There you go. But enough about me. What about you? Uh, my one more thing is a little thing called M Taylor, um, and this is I, I this is going to sound like an advertisement. I swear it's not. I'm going to put an affiliate link in the show notes. You can help the show out, but this is not paid for by them i just wanted to highlight it's a cool service and it really it just it's one of the first times that something felt like magic so um basically what m taylor is is you get naked in front of a camera uh and Whoa, you turn around second. yeah hang on you you get naked in front of a camera you turn around a couple times <laughs> and they send you clothes that fit your body perfectly uh and they use they basically use the camera feed to use that to feed uh, algorithms and AI that then come up with a bunch of different measurements and then you know they cut out based on those measurements and it it feels like magic it feels like magic because you put in this order and then um, you know like I'm I'm a big guy and so like finding clothes that fit me well and that I feel good in is hard. And so uh, it's just it's it's amazing. You get this, you just get the clothes in the mail, and um, and uh, it just fits you. And if you if it doesn't, they do like the they'll they'll go and sort of do it again for free for you, which is oh, really okay. kind and a great business model. The clothes are a little pricey, um, but you know I think for for the comfort and for uh, the convenience of having something custom fit to you is huge. Um, like I said, it sounds like an advertisement. I just was delighted by the experience and I wanted to share it with you all. Um, I, I will put the affiliate link down there. You can get 20% off. Um, if you want that type of thing, by no means do you have to, again, it's just helps the show and, uh, not an advertisement, not paid for. 
Um, I think with that, that's going to be it for today, everyone. If you like this episode, we invite you to check out another episode that we did, uh, 223, on how artificial intelligence can improve learning. Comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week. For more in-depth discussion, you can always join us on our Slack or Discord communities. You can visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple things you can do. Uh, one, leave us a five-star review. That's You can do that right now. Just go and leave us a five-star review wherever you're watching, listening. Uh, two, tell your friends about us. Word of mouth really helps the show grow. I can't tell you how many people said, I only found you because my friend mentioned you. they listened to your show. And three, consider supporting us on Patreon if you have the financial means of doing so. Uh, or buy our merch. I don't know. Do that because our treasurer says so. Anyway, as always, the links to all of our socials and our website are in the description of this episode. I want to thank Mr. Barry Kirby for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you? They want to talk about algorithms. For algorithms, then you need to find me on Twitter at Baz underscore K. Or come and listen to me interviewing people on my podcast, 1202 The Human Factors Podcast at 1202podcast.com. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me streaming on Twitch every Monday from 4 to 5 Pacific uh, for office hours and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it, it depends. depends. Hey, if you're sticking around with us, stick around just a little bit longer. We're going to do a post show here. I hope um, Texas Captain Chan is sticking around because I, I, we need to comment on some of his... Uh, <laughs> yeah, his, yeah. Because he's they're absolutely right about taking their... Uh, Take his clothes off the. I mean, I. You said that you're you're a large chap. You're not a large chap compared to me, um, at all. And yeah, I'd I'd be somewhat nervous about uh, having an AI sort of. It, it would just turn around and say the computer says no. Um, <laughs> or something, or something of, or something I was like that. I was worried too. I, I'm a pretty big guy, and I was like, okay, well, this, this is either going to work or it doesn't. And they like stand by their stuff, and I was like, okay, well, let's just try it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really nice. Like I. As I was really skeptical before it showed up, and um, it showed up, and I was just like, "Okay, wow, this is this is kind of cool." The shirt didn't quite fit well enough, um, so it, it felt like the shirt felt like they got the arms mixed up and they stitched them on backwards. Right. Okay. Um, so I, I sent it to him. I was like, "Hey, you know, this isn't quite fitting right." So they sent me another one. Um, should be here soon, but cool. like, takes a little bit of time to deliver. But I mean, you know, it's. It's a pretty cool well, service, man. Like I, I'm not. It's it's neat. What did you what? So what did you order? What so you got a shirt and what a suit or? So, so I got. Uh, you can order suits on it. I got a shirt. I got um, like, like a button up shirt. I got a t shirt and I got some jeans. And the okay. jeans fit great. The t shirt fits great. And the the button up shirt was the one where the arms felt like they were stitched on incorrectly. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking, and they, and they do deliver to the, um, they do deliver outside the US, so they do deliver to uh, the UK, which um, is not free shipping outside the UK, obviously, uh, outside the US, obviously. But um, I might have to give that a go just for a bit of a um, bit of amusement, because it has been the whole taking the photo thing has been a bit weird because I've I just finished doing a 13 week course to to do some weight loss with um, um, on with, with this guy. And part of the deal of doing it is every two weeks I had to take photos of me basically just in my boxer shorts. Um, we saw my wife, wife taking the photos of me, and then they're now he's now put them on his website as so you can see the difference in me. And I'm like, that makes me feel slightly uncomfortable because it's 
Yeah. Almost, it's it's close to bad porn, <laughs> which is not a nice place to be. Yeah, I so, mean, they they, mm. they explicitly say in the app that like, hey, no one's going to see this. Um, we delete <laughs> the data right after it's done. The The algorithm just uses, you know, the um, it just uses the information to get the measurements. And that's that's really, like, I don't know. I I'm pretty critical when it comes to what companies have on my information i'm pretty critical about privacy and so um i don't know I, I feel if i'm okay with what they what that language was i don't know what is the language that they use um well actually you can text out just <laughs> 10 cents for gym membership <laughs> and then yeah what if you have a data breach yeah that comment oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah well i mean that was, that's about that embarrassing that's, I mean, that's kind of why I like it because, like, I don't know, Taylor or, or something like there's no human judgment in it's just a machine doing it. Mm. Um, and the only judgment is from the people who are stitching and putting it together. But I mean, really, they so probably disconnected from the process that it doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I might have to somebody might have getting to like right up in your business trying to measure your leg length you know that's uh i mean in in the, i'm i see what you said about you know like the different people get um obsessed about different types of data for this sort of thing i think yes it, it's not going to store actual pictures because looking at the at the diagrams it, it, it'll presumably take points off your body and and do them sort of measurement things but it's um yeah i think i, I think it'd be interesting but no i quite like the look of it i fancy a um I fancy giving it a go and seeing seeing if it'll ship out here, um, or see if there's a, a UK-based but um, you know similar, similar version. Yeah, because I I I don't know whether it's a I, I think it is a bloke thing as well. I I just can't be bothered shopping for clothes. Um, I like decent clothes, um, but I'm, it's now much more into um, online shopping and just getting stuff that I kind of know. But yeah, no, it, it sounds sounds a good idea. I think we should give it a go and then and feedback. Yeah, use use the affiliate link and help out the show. Yes, because um, I really bothered that recently. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And and I I tested it with like some some low, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Some low uh, low risk clothes, right? Like a t-shirt, yeah, jeans, and a and a button up. I was like, you know, I'm not gonna get a suit right away. But yeah, tech, sar- tech sergeant. If um, you know, if if the shirt comes back and it fits me well the second time, I'm I'm definitely gonna like invest a little bit more. I already bought a second pair of jeans because the first one fit just perfect. Um, and like I don't know, it's it's just a good feeling to have something fit your body right. Yes. <laughs> my my post pandemic body. <laughs> See, that's my other thing as well is I, I, I sort of have this idea about I don't want to spend too much on clothes because hopefully I'm going to lose some more weight and um, yeah. which I probably won't but in my head I might um, and so I don't want to spend a load on clothes just in case you know I'll, I'll have wasted them but actually yeah I just need well, to with. well that's that's kind of the, the game that I've been playing right it's like if I if I do lose weight I can always go and hey this doesn't fit me anymore can I um can I like you know get this redone so that way I can get more clothes that fit my <laughs> yes. body, and then once they have the measurements of of your new body, you can take that 
the 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 old clothes to a real tailor with those measurements and say, hey, look, like I just want it to be, you know, like this. Uh, yeah. So you know, you, you know, it'll work. I, I don't it's know. Like, so like, I just... and stuff. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. I'm I'm gonna sign up for that and and see if we can give it a go. Um. Cool. So important question. Yeah. My new logo-y thing that you can see in the background. I'm yeah. sort of looking at the measurement that you can see. So you, I've got the white wall on the right hand, or I guess on the right hand side of the screen. Um, I'm wondering whether I should move it around. So actually, when it's off as it is now, you can actually see it better against the white background. So it is big enough, I think, to. Yeah. Uh, is the is the contrast high enough? Like, like what yeah, color is? It? Is it just white? Is it white on white? Um, so the um, you can it, it is blue. Um, so you'll be able to see. So when it's when it's switched off, it's blue, um, and then on a clear background, so it will, so the white will come through. So that that'll all be fine, and so you'll actually oh. see it switched off without it. Um... Hold on one sec. So I think I think when you showed me this, we were off air. Can you can you turn it on right now so everyone Ooh. can see? Hold on a sec, because I'm not going to run it through my phone because that's you know you just have to. Where's it going? So right, as, as my wife said, you need to put some sunglasses on. Because there we go. Okay, yeah. So that's what we're talking about here. Um, man, that thing is impressive. <laughs> it's very bright. There's um, the photo side of it. I mean, on the photos, I, I sort of put a photo of it on LinkedIn, and actually, the photo of it looks quite good. But you, it just washes out the um, all the color here. And unless I can get some more bright light into the um, into the camera, then it's just going to keep washing it out. So right. I might yeah. have, you, I might... you need now. You got to invest in a whole lighting setup. Yes, and <laughs> I think if I spend more money on this, then um, I might get into quite a lot of trouble. So, but no, I'm thinking about moving that onto the adjacent wall. So actually, when it's off, so when it's in that mode, oh look how everything comes back in. You'll still be able to see the outline and stuff, but it doesn't necessarily need to be switched on. So surreptitiously work meetings right. and things, then then it's just latent advertising in the background. I might yeah. play around with that this weekend and, and and see what I can do with it. Yeah, I can't tell what color it is. Is it like blue? Yeah, it is. So it's it's really weird because it's not. So you also, they also sell them as a neon, um, it is, but it isn't neon. It's a, it's an LED, right? Um, but we so it, it's almost um, in it's LED in sort of blue rubber, I think. Okay. Um, on the on a um, clear perspex back. So you hang it off the clear perspex, and and you can't see the wires, um, but there's the sort of the, the wires there hanging it all together, and. Um, and they did this really quickly. It was because I think I mentioned to you last week that I'd, I'd ordered something. So this this has only taken yeah. like two weeks to get here from wow. China, I think it was, um, which I didn't realize it was coming from China. But there we go. Um, and so it, so they've done it and shipped it really really quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm childishly pleased with it. <laughs> yeah, I think putting it on that white wall, if it's blue, it might have enough contrast to really stick out. Just as kind of like a you know, outline. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the, the reason I put it where it was was I didn't think you'd actually be able to see it in camera, but I think there is enough width there to. Um, uh, oh yeah, to make that yeah, work quite nicely. So, yes, I think that that's tomorrow's job is just to just to move that around and and, and so then you can get you can give me your view next week, and um, and then we'll move it to maybe another bit of the room the week after, and we'll by you know maybe by Christmas we'll have worked out the, the ideal position. Yeah, and and once you throw the resistor on there, then you can tweak the brightness, which I know Tech Sergeant's asking about. Yes, well, hopefully I can. So it, it go, it's 
has a transformer that then goes into that and i'm hoping um because i can't see any reason why it wouldn't and i don't think i, I can't blow it up i don't think because it's obviously it's just um um effectively led technology so um it's already got maximum rate going through it so I yeah be well but, well, it depends on the LEDs that they use inside, because um, some LEDs are they, they. Some LEDs have like a dimming feature, and and others. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah some of them are just basically digital. So that's what yeah. we'll have to. Um, what I'll have to find out. Um, or maybe like put a sheet of paper over it or something, which would kind of be annoying because it's cool. Um, I'm sure I'll find it. I'm, I'm sure we'll find some sort of solution. You know, you know what you could do, um, and and this is a um, this is not a suggestion. It's it's more of like a um, an idea. I don't know. You can explore it, but if you take a, a, a slightly opaque uh, piece of acrylic, like a square slightly opaque piece of acrylic and yeah. put it in front of it diffuses the light a little bit but still enough to where you can see the shape behind it um that might that might work block some of the light coming through but also you know preserve it might be more fuzzy than you want it though that's the only thing right like you'd have to put it right yeah. up next to it you'd have to really dial it in and get it right maybe get like a little test piece of acrylic uh over it to test it out but um, there, there might be something software I, I might be able to do to achieve it as well. So yeah, um, but I don't know. We we'll we'll just we'll, we'll have to have a play over. It's kind of this weekend's job, I think, to uh, to make it work. Because the other cool thing about it is when you switch it on, um, is that I think I've said before the um, this kind where I'm at the moment is at the end of our garden. Apparently, when you could switch it on, when I switch it on, the, you can see it very much, and it glares into the house at the other end of the garden really badly to the point it still really distracts uh, my wife quite a lot, um, which I, which I find quite amusing. So um, I think the more bright blue light, then the better. But that's just because I'm that, that's just the type of person I am. See now, if if I got one for this show, I would do I would do this logo here. Well. I'm, I'm probably mm -hmm. frozen again. I don't know. Anyway, I no, do no, this no, logo no. here. So there's so many triangles uh, with so many different color combinations on this thing that I I, I, well, I, fe I fear that it would be um, rather costly. Um, possibly, but I don't know because actually all they're doing is putting... I don't think the colors will be a problem because they're just... I mean, they've specked out my logo exactly um, with all their little content. And they they sent me a plan beforehand and all that sort of stuff. And if they're all just different, all they're doing is connecting them by wire. So actually, the different colors shouldn't be a problem, I don't think. Um, no, it's not the colors that I'm working worried about. It's like, um, it's, the, it's the labor of putting the right colors in the places. Like, because if you just use one yeah, color, it's, like, it's, it's really the labor that would required to put them where they live um i think you should get them anyway i think they're cool you know i i did want to comment you know we I, I love and hate the shows where we go over because uh it's it's a nightmare to edit for igtv i think we went over a minute and a half this time and i was i was, like, I, was I was watching it going you're, you're gonna get all angry again aren't you <laughs> I, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. It's uh, I'm probably just gonna cut the outro. Honestly, cut the outro. Cut the Patreon commercial and keep the bit where I uh, I go off on our treasurer. 
<laughs> it's uh, I didn't think it was amusing because as soon as we started talking about heuristics, my mind went completely blank about heuristics, and I was like, "What are those?" Oh <laughs> well, I, I was like, it's the, "I mean, you had the bit." Obviously, we we had the bits in the show notes, the the little bits, but I was like, I completely forgotten around the um, availability heuristic. What on earth does that mean? I just and I just couldn't even. Normally, you know, I'm a um, um, I, I'm, I'm somebody who talks about this sort of stuff an, an awful lot, um, and, I, and I'm a consultant. I get paid to talk about it. And then I just had a complete another mind blank. I was like, ah, oh, I could just make some stuff up. And then thankfully, it all just came rushing back to me. But it was uh, just. Yeah. Oh, Open hey. Uh, <laughs> speaking of tonight's story, I do want to bring up. So, Tech Sergeant again um, is uh, brought up a point about HMOs and being worried about profitability um, taking precedence over over patient. Uh, yeah. When it comes to you know, and that's that's a whole part of the discussion that we forgot to mention. Uh, it, you, yeah, I, I think we should talk about this in the post show. I think this is this great post show topic. No, it is because it does. It kind of fits into the ethics bit to uh, to a certain extent, but it is absolutely, and I think more so in this is where the the white paper that we've done, and there's again going back to the bias thing, because in the UK we obviously don't have um, the, um, the the same health system as what, um, what what you have in the US, so we just have the and you know we have the national health service and it is delivered, so you, there's no. There's no real competition. There's no. There's not the same drive over right. money. There, there is. There is. There is definitely drive over cost, um, and about what is the most cost-effective way of doing things, but not profitability. So it's not like well, you guys have where you have, um, you know, the the fact that it's, it's a, a private system um, or multiple private systems, and mm-hmm. therefore, therefore, that what does that drive? So um, there is a. There is not only the uh, profitability, but the cultural aspects as well which i think uh, uh, uh on a country by country basis yeah I, I will say it drives uh most americans nuts um like i i think i think uh you know regulated healthcare free healthcare is something that um the vast majority of americans want i think it's something in the 70 percent um mm. and so it's like not an unpopular opinion and so, you know, we're not quite there with policy yet, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting road to traverse, um, especially as if if it's not solved soon, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to sort of make sure that those safeguards are in there to make sure that you know we can't take profit over patient. It, it needs to be mandated or. Um, you know, built into whatever processes that we're using. You know, it's yeah, uh, it's yeah, yeah. Tech sergeant in the U.S. It usually ends up being get sick or go broke, paying for your healthcare. I I, I had an appendicitis back in uh, 2016. It was like right after I started the show, and um, I uh, you know, I got the bill for it. It was like sixteen thousand dollars. Wow. And um, it's just like I would have I would have died if I didn't get a surgery to remove that. And yeah. like I don't know, it it just sucks. It's it just interesting because I think 
in the again I'm, I, I'm always fascinated behind this from from the from this cultural <laughs> and behavioral aspect keeping it loosely on topic um, because the you know in the UK we have you know it is free at the point of use um, but people people then think that that means it's completely free um, whereas actually no we just pay for it by different means and but also because it's because it's free at the point of use then I think we take it we take it for granted a lot so you know you'll go into hospital for almost anything um, you know the, the, the going to the doctor is actually more constrained by having them having available appointments and you know can you fit it into your day not how much is it going to cost me can I afford to go to the doctors um, but then seeing the advertising in the US so one of the constant clips we keep on seeing or constant pictures is of dentistry and uh-huh. you, um, whenever, whenever this debate seems to come up, you, there's pictures of people with like no teeth or really black teeth, and um, and I know no nobody like that. Um, you know, it, it's certainly not a common occurrence just because we have a socialized healthcare. healthcare. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's interesting that some people are so adamantly, um, really seriously <laughs> against having such a thing and he's like wow the, the, the way that people talk about it, the language they use is, is just is just something else it really is i mean yeah i mean like i said it's it's a fairly popular policy here mm. it it really is it's just that the way our systems are set up that the minority party has as much voice as the majority party and or sometimes more in a lot of cases yeah yeah. Uh, that some of this policy change is not happening. And that's about all I'll say about politics. But I think, um, you know, that that is a, a huge consideration, at least from the stateside perspective of, you know, when it comes to the the ethics of <laughs> incorporating AI into healthcare. Yeah, we, we do need to make sure that those risks are mitigated best they can be. Well, plain devil's advocate again, because I've done that once tonight, so let's do it again. Given that that is um, such a major feature of your healthcare system, actually, should it be built into it to take that into account, but actually publish what it is that that it is? So, if you know that um, if you know that your provider uses you know um, get well soon AI diagnosis equipment, and it has a um, um, it will do an evaluation for the cheapest solution or the, you know, the or cost isn't taken into account or it might le- leverage towards the uh, the most uh, most expensive. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing as long as we know about it. Um, like I say, in the UK, I don't, it would be a factor. Um, but if given that it's such a significant part of your healthcare system, it maybe does need to be in there, but it needs to be open and, um, and communicated. Yeah, yeah. Or so just feels... your entire healthcare system to, to a sensible one. You know, whatever works, whatever works the easiest. I mean, something feels really icky to me about like you know paying for. Well, I'm, I'm going to pay for this algorithm because it's better. Um, mm-hmm. Like that feels really icky to me. And and so yeah, that would be the happy medium is that if there are any algorithms, they are they are publicly available. And you know, may, there's there's a bunch of different copyright laws here in the states where um and patent laws and everything that it just makes things like that more difficult than you might expect again everything comes back to policy so if if we were to change something with policy 
we might be able to do something like, hey, you know, any any AIs that are built in healthcare can be proprietary for six months. Give yeah, you a six yeah. months advantage over the competition, but then everyone, it, you know, it has to be become public. Like that might be the happy medium if we do want to build it into this broken system. Um, my politics are showing, but I don't care because it, it's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it is an interesting one. I think the um, the way that this sort of thing goes forward, it, and that's why I think it's such a complex issue is because there's um, there's so many things that through a system, you know, if you're designing the system, it wouldn't be a problem because, you know, you design the system mo as, as best you can. It would be bias free and it would be all that sort of thing. Um, but then it's, it's, it is that interaction between real life and, and you know, the um, the, the environment that is, it, it is going to be deployed in. So I think I think that will be an interesting one, which I hadn't really thought of before. And I wish I'd thought of that before last week's webinar that I hosted because I'd have thrown that one in there and, and see, see what they thought of that as well. Oh, man, that would have been that would have been a nice wrench to throw into that. Maybe I can I still can because they were potentially talking about doing a um, an, a, an interview on it. Um, on my podcast, oh. I, might, I might keep that back as a uh, yeah, as, as, a, as a curveball question. So. Yeah, there you go. Well, if they listen to the show, they'll they'll be prepped. But uh... yeah, I won't tell them about it. They'll be fine. Okay, uh, they, they, right. they will be listening to post show. So <laughs> um, yes, unless they watch it on, I guess no, because this is on LinkedIn, isn't it? So they'll um, they'll see this. They can see this bit. Well, I think that's as good a place as any um, to stop it for the night. But uh, if you've been hanging out with us, uh, oh, wait, one more note from Tech Sergeant. Maybe a hybrid approach. Most things get factored in by AI, but also the option with a strictly more profit-oriented approach If or for some things, if you can afford it. Yeah. Sounds fair. Yeah. Ish. All right. No. Let's get out of here. Thank you for hanging out with us uh, on any of our platforms, uh, wherever you're at. We really do appreciate the interaction. It's one of the things that makes this live format so fun for us. And we have to react. Um, and so we appreciate that and uh, appreciate your time. Time is valuable. And sincere, sincerely, like I, I think it's um, one of the greatest gifts that you can give us is like listening to the show. The fact that people want to listen and interact with the show is still kind of crazy to me sometimes. Yes, um, but it's cool. And so, so genuinely, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm talking to the camera now. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Um, we'll be back next week uh, with another story. Um, Pre-show, post-show, all that stuff. Be fun stuff. And uh, you all have a great night or morning, wherever you're at. I'm going to go to bed. So I shall um, see you all very soon. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.